1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash
2: awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Adi Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. A reminder that I'll be joined every single Monday live on TalkSport2 by Gareth A. Davis to dissect all the latest from the world of boxing and MMA. 2021 is set to be a huge year for boxing, both in the UK and abroad, and we'll have you covered every single step of the way. If you can't join us live, make sure you subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel to ensure you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, you can also check out some of the other great boxing programming the likes of Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and the boy from Brownsville, the Mike Tyson story.
0: This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2.
2: Good afternoon, this is Final Extra here on Talk Sports with myself, Annie Oladipo. Look, if you love your boxing and you love your MMA, then this is 110% the show for you, while myself and Gareth A. Davis will be discussing all the latest from the world of combat sports. Today, we'll discuss the big fights from the weekend, including Lewis Ritson's defeat. What was Steve Gray doing in that fight? We're going to talk about that. You'll be hearing from Eddie Hearn, Conor Benn. We're going to hear from, I think, the best play-by-play commentator, in the business as well, John Annick. This is Finite Extra here on Talksport 2.
3: Crazy. Wow. For the winner by unanimous
1: decision, Leon
2: uh, So much to get through the next, what, 57 minutes or so. We're going to try and cram it all in. It was a really busy weekend from the world of combat sports. Let's welcome in Gareth Davis, who's in. Sonny Brentwood, I believe, Matrim HQ. Gareth, is that where you are? I am indeed,
3: my friend. I've just been, well, we're still in the middle of a press conference here, but I have been speaking to Eddie Hearn, uh, obviously the Matchroom head, Matchroom sport, Matchroom boxing head, uh, Joe Markowski, who is the executive vice president of DAZN. That's a big launch that they're doing, of course, uh, with DAZN from now on. The Sky deal is over. Mm. And um, there's about, well, Tony Bellew, Kid Galahad, Tasha Jonas, uh, Chris Billam smith uh, Connor Ben, um, Derek Chisora. There's just tons and tons of boxers here. And so I've been catching up with them as well. I think we're going to hear from a few of them a little bit later.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a great place to be. I'm not jealous at all being in um, the TalkSport 2 studios. I want to quickly um, touch on Lewis Ritson's defeat to uh, Ponce on the weekend. We're going to talk about the fight itself a bit later but obviously the refereeing decision with steve gray the tell coming in from uh Ritson's corner which obviously is his dad as well to stop the fight steve gray threw the tell out and he literally did throw the tell out what did you make of all that gareth um well i
3: actually you know having had the the weekend to reflect on it mm. um And having seen the the video that Matchroom put out, obviously it was a Matchroom card, it was the last, it was historically, by the way, the last Matchroom card on Sky Sports for now in this current eight-year deal. Um, Steve Gray went into the dressing room, had a long conversation with both Lewis Ritz and his father, David, Dave Ritz, and who you mentioned, who's in his corner as well, and explained that he had let it go on because it because it was shots to the body not the head that put him down originally Mm. and he was and and i liked to see that addy that he went in to try and explain his decision i think what really mitigated against steve gray in the moment was the manner in which he picked up the towel and tossed it out of the (laughs) the ring it was it was almost that that action it looked like a dismissive move and i think it drew a lot of um, a kind of derision from a lot of fans and people watching um, the only thing I would say I don't necessarily agree with what he did either mm. it's not unprecedented no. by the way I'll go into those later on the show because it's happened before um, but you've got to remember that the referee is the sole arbiter in there so he um, I think his action of throwing it if he just moved it to the side with his foot because he felt it was in the way rather than tossing it out, I don't think it would have been quite so controversial. I think that Ritson was getting a fairly bad beating in there on the night, and I. If I'd been the referee, my feeling is I would have stopped it, but I wasn't the referee.
2: Yeah, look, and there's a couple of great points you make. Firstly, well done to him for going and explaining the decision as well. Like, we we we, we beg for that to happen in other sports, like especially football, when a referee makes a bad decision or a decision they think's right, and then they just almost run away and disappear. Credit to him to go and do that as well. But also, looking back at the fight, I barely gave Ritson a round. It was yeah, one-way exactly. traffic. So it wasn't like he was going to ever come back. And that's why I think... Maybe the fight should have been stopped, but we are going to talk more about that one and what's next for Ritson and what's next possibly for Ponce as well. At uh, Pavetkin, he's called it quits at 41, um, obviously coming off that Dillian White defeat. When you look back at the tough Russian, I mean, what's his best win? Is it that Dillian White? Is it the Carlos Takan, and the Shagayev? He's had a couple of good ones in there.
3: Um, Yeah, you mentioned them, I think when he was WBA champion, I think he defended the belt four times, the WBA regular champion, I think he fell short, obviously, against Anthony Joshua in an interesting fight on the night, and also he fell short against Vladimir Klitschko in which he held and clinched so much and was down four times, if I recall rightly, in that fight that took place in Moscow many moons ago now. He's 41, he looked very... I, 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 he didn't really look himself in that, that uh, Rumble on the Rock fight no. back in March against Dillian White. And I think, you know, he's done right to call time. Listen, he's a super heavyweight gold medalist for, for Russia. I think it was the Athens games. I'm trying to use my memory banks today after, after <laughs> roasting out there in the heat of the garden. It is so hot, it's unreal. Um, I was melting out there. Um, I'm just in the matchroom offices now, by the way. I'm just above, uh, Eddie Hearn's office. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's been a decorated career. I just think he fell short at the very, very elite level yeah. in in the pro ranks in terms of his his era. Tricky, dangerous, clever fighter. I may be fibbing slightly here, but I think his amateur record was something like 135 and seven, or 137 and five. Please send your tweets in to correct me. <laughs> um, but it, but, it, but what I'm trying to say, for an, for an amateur record of that caliber at heavyweight, and to win a gold medal in the world championships absolutely outstanding career and 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 you know i think there's a there's a little grey cloud over his career for the two positive drugs tests that he had um, but he was exonerated in court for them both as well so but you know that that kind of mud sticks so so that that, that will always be a kind of epitaph if you like couple of final lines on his career there but um no great guy been around him many times absolute gentleman
2: yeah no great guy um a, a good fighter as well can I very quickly ask you about a fight that never happened how do you think it would have played out when Deontay Wilder was to travel to Russia and take on Pavek Kim what three and a half four years ago I think it might have been how do you think that fight would have played out back then
3: well that was one of the drug cases wasn't it, it that's was, why it was yeah. cancelled by the WBC and I think in the end um yeah that's right Wilder was pulled out wasn't he um so um Uh, tricky fight for Wilder for five or six rounds, and then I think that big right hand would have would have capitalised and put Pavetkin out. I do think he'd have been knocked out by. By, um, by Deontay Wilder, although at that time, I think Povetkin was a much more durable fighter. It was certainly a fight I was looking forward to at the time, as were many boxing fans around the world.
2: Mm, UFC 263 is now in the books, as they say. Um, the main event wasn't Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, but it feels like it was, right? A five-round fight. The first non-title five-round fight as well, if I'm, if I'm right in saying that. Um, Edwards looking really good, really, really good. But Diaz, is almost, he's almost zombie-like, Diaz you've got to nail him to the ground to get this guy finished and in the end another minute or so I know I hate to use that phrase but another minute or so it could have gone another way
3: yeah it could have and I think you know that that's fine but he got beaten for 24 minutes of a 25 minute fight mm. um, clearly for me um, but the thing is like you just said you've got to nail Diaz to the ground but what Leon never did was nail him he he he, he dominated him over the course he showed his tactical and technical brilliance, um, but he also never raised the. Oh, look, he will have had a game plan that he knew he could outstrike and um, outkick Diaz. Diaz likes to kickbox, man. He doesn't he? We know he's dangerous on the ground. He's got clever moves. He's he's a he's a lifer in terms of jiu jitsu, um, but. It, I think Leon's intensity in the fight, in terms of his focus, was amazing, but he never upped the gears. Um, he, you know, If you look at the strike count in the fight, y- even though Leon dominated the fight for 24 or 25 minutes, as I just mentioned, he didn't, um, he didn't beat Diaz up, like really beat him up. He cut him with that massive elbow um, on the ground. He slashed him, he took him down. He dominated in the stand-up. He took his front leg away with lower kicks. I'm making him sound uh, like he did really beat him up. But <laughs> but, there, but there was plenty left in Diaz. He, he didn't knock him from pillar to post. He was never wobbled, really, truly wobbled. Mm. And, you know, so therefore, when, when Leon began to tire a little bit, um, and he stuck to his game plan brilliantly in terms of not being kind of um, pushed off it by Diaz turning his back and playing games and being smart and very present. He never he 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 didn't finish him, and I think that's why he left the opportunity in the end for Diaz to to finish and obviously win that last round, 49-46 clear, because Diaz did the damage in the last round and but just didn't have long enough to um, to finish him off, even though. You know, Leon was kind of out on his feet there for the last minute. But I tell you what, he showed amazing instincts of survival as well.
2: No, he, he certainly did. And we're going to talk more.
3: Great fight, though, Adi. Great fight.
2: Great fight. No, honestly, fantastic fight. We're going to talk more UFC uh, 263 a bit later. We'll also chat about uh, Bellator as well. But up next, we'll be hearing from Mr. Matrim himself, Eddie Hearn, alongside Conor Ben as well. Today here's Final Extra here on Talks World 2. Remember, if you have missed any of today's show, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for the fight night wherever you download your podcast for access to all previous episodes all right the face of uk boxing is set for a major change after matchroom sports and sky ended their 10-year long relationship matchroom have now moved over their entire stable to streaming service to zone which currently costs just two pounds per month a little earlier gareth caught up with matchroom chairman eddie hearn and the zone's exclusive vice president joe markowski to discuss how their partnership is likely to work
0: we have lost the ambitions to control boxing globally it's not it's not about arrogance it's not about you know doctor evil running the world it's what we want to achieve for the sport to run it in the way which we feel fans will enjoy more than ever and the way that we believe we can do that is with DAZN and of course this UK deal, this game-changing deal is seismic for us to showcase the start of that partnership globally. This is a massive deal for both of us, but it is just the start of this global strategy that we have together.
3: But hasn't Coke always needed a Pepsi and I said bacon needs egg, but that's a slightly different analogy. Um, You do need rivals though, don't you? It's not up to
0: us, Gareth, to have rivals. You know, if we're number one, if we are the best at what we do, and I believe we are, we will reign supreme again it's, it's a competition for me it's just like sport it's not about being you know having a big ego we want to be the best at what we do we want to provide the fans with the best value and i believe we do that i believe we run the best shows in the sport this deal will enable us to put on the best fights the best cards the best schedule and for once not have the constant arm wrestle with fans of having to do big nights and big fights on pay-per-view pay-per-view will always exist but it shouldn't be as regular as it has been doing, and unfortunately, to do the big shows we wanted to do, that was the only model that works. I believe we always gave value for money, but this is going to be another level in terms of value for money, and that's so exciting because just for a small moment, I might actually become quite popular again.
3: <laughs> but we'll see. Um, let me bring Joe in because one of the one of the things that you know, it's kind of on the Twitter sphere, or on you know, on. on on the metaverse you know the, the the online universe is that how are a and Matroom going to do this when it costs $1.99 will they get the numbers at the moment will Will they get the numbers how will they do these extraordinary massive fights mm. how is the strategy a five-year strategy is it a 10-year strategy mm. what, what how, do, how does this all play out in terms of dominating the world of boxing?
4: Well, listen, I think the first thing to say is that our relationship with Matchroom and relationship with Matchroom Boxing goes back 10, 15 years. The businesses have a very strong working relationship. And over time, especially the last two or three years, our vision uh, for the for the, for the the sport, for how we can engage and deliver for, for fight fans around the world has really shown itself to align. So the vision that Eddie's just laid down there about a global footprint, uh, delivering consistent value for fight fans is one that we very much share. Eddie believes, as we do, that Matchroom Boxing are best place to do that. We believe from a broadcast perspective that our, that our ambitions match that uh, the, the ambitions on the Matchroom side. And therefore, we're very, very excited to be stepping into an expanded partnership with Matchroom in the UK and Ireland. A low-key element of this deal that won't get all of the headlines uh, understandably today uh, is the construct it gives us and Matchroom to go and plant flags around the world and expand the number of markets we're, we're putting on um, you know, world-class content in, like Mexico, like for Mexico, example. Past, that you were talking last about, week, yeah, and that's yeah, the yeah. first of many. Yeah, I think, yeah. if you look at our partnership now, UK and today tremendously exciting, a very well-established uh, US relationship, a growing partnership in Italy and Spain, and now obviously Mexico in partnership with Matchroom and Canelo Promotions. We're starting to put together a, a multi-market business here that's increasingly successful, and in all cases, we are delivering value for fans in those markets, uh, and, and increasingly do it a, a global schedule. A year-round schedule uh, that fans uh, are going to be served with, with premium content every week
3: of the year. I'm, I'm standing here with you guys up on a big stage right now, and I can see Connor Ben. I don't know if Adrian Grandos is here, but um, I can see who else have I seen? Jaz Dickens, Kid, Jazzy Gallagher. Kid Galahad, Florian Marku I had a little bit of a to-do with Connor, and while Connor no no Florian Marku Connor while he was walking the baby in okay. earlier. Alan Babich is here. <laughs> Shannon <laughs> Courtney, Natasha Jonas. Y- you've got a load of fighters here. Yeah. Just tell me finally about. The three cards that you've announced today and, and it's amazing to be back here it who'd is. have thought a year ago oh, you were doing well, that and now we're coming back for a year with later fans. with yeah. zone and yeah. with fans. Yeah.
0: We, we, we launched this last year thinking look this is going to help us get through the pandemic and really sort of fill a gap and it was so good I mean you came down here last year you know to witness it and mm-hmm. obviously this year with fans going to be even better but this year as well the cards a lot bigger a lot deeper First week out, you've got Conor Ben, who has become, quite frankly, a star. I mean, the numbers that he was delivering on Sky, sensational. People love him. They love the story. Of course, we know Nigel Ben's his father, but what he's proven recently is he can really, really fight. Shannon Courtney will defend her world title on the card. She's become a star herself. Chris Billam-Smith against Tommy McCarthy for the British Commonwealth European Cruiserweight Championship. Anthony Fowler on that card as well. Avni Yildirim will fight Jack Cullen in a real 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 sort of uh, wild one Mm. and then return of Campbell Hatton on the card and Sandy Ryan will make her debut that's just week one week two is a tremendous domestic fight for the world um, world featherweight title sorry between uh Jazza Dickens and Kid Galahad great fight last time they fought was yes. a fight of the year contender yep. obviously any time two Brits get together to fight for the world title very very special Fabio Wardley on that card Maxime Prodan who's one of our Italian stars will fight Florian Marco as well this is a, a good example of the sort of uh, emerging across Ellie Scottney will fight on that card as well um, Alan the Savage Babich will return on week two um, in a good fight as well and also Johnny Fisher in a big step on that fight and the last week is really important for the career of joshua boazzi because for the first time he's in a real fight against ricard's Balotniks. you saw him win the golden contract on sky very very good fighter Um, natasha jonas returns on that card felix cash on that card michael mickinson on that card, really good fight with one of our US stars, which is Ray Ford, one of our young kids, fighting Reese Bellotti. Um, Hopi Price on that card as well, just loads and loads coming about eight fights every night for three weeks, non stop.
2: Eddie's such a good seller, isn't he? You, whatever Eddie's selling, you just buy because he's really good at talking, isn't he? Eddie Hearn there, speaking to Gareth A. Davis and vice president for the zone, uh, Joe Murkowski. Um, Gareth's still with us, Gareth. Um, look, I've got. To the zone at 199, right now, um, I think it's fantastic value for money. I mean, some of the fights we've seen in the last four or five months for that 199 is incredible. Um, was there any talk about what it's going to go up to? Because, look, no doubt it's going to have to go up to something. Did they mention what it might go up to?
3: No, of course not. They're not going to do that, are they? They're not going to tell people to buy it at 199 and tell us all it's going to be uh, nine pounds in. In a year's time, they they don't know yet. Um, They they will they will they're going to build it for now, aren't they? That's why it's at a kind of um, cut price, you know, um, lost leader deal. So um, it's not a question. I mean, it's a question that I will ask, and Mm -hmm. it's a question I have asked of them before. But they're 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 into building their numbers at the moment. I mean, you know, the 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 whole idea is they've only just signed the deal. They they launched globally at one ninety nine. It was in January, wasn't it? So They they won't they're not going to frighten people away at the moment by doing that because you know uh, it it wasn't in the cut there it was a long interview I did with both Joe and Eddie in the boiling sunshine it's 66p a card if you just buy it for one month Um, I mean you get yeah so so it is incredible value as Eddie Hearn said in the interview I might even be popular for a little while (laughs) look so so Leonard Blavatnik. Who owns his amongst many other businesses, including his Perform Group and all those those different organisations that he has. He's he's a patron of the arts. You know, um, he's very involved in British society. He's an incredibly wealthy man. I believe he's the third wealthiest man in Britain. Um, and there is a very deep pocket to want to get this kind of over the line and make it work. And I think. I mean, it's a very valid point you ask about, you know, w- w- will, will the price go up? It will when they buy football. Yeah. It will when they get involved in Premier League and Champions League rights because, you know, that will bring a bigger audience again. It's a win-win for boxing and it's a win-win for boxing fans right now. And it's a great thing that on the other side of the table, Eddie, um, that um, Top Rank Uh, announced last Friday have signed a deal with Sky, Sky Sports. So all 30 of their cards a year from America are going to be shown. And also, I no doubt they'll have a hand in... The boxer B-O-X-E-R, the run by Ben Shalom, that's going to be the local promoter in Britain Mm -hmm. with John Wishus, and he used to work here for twenty years with a very, very clever guy, behind the scenes guy in boxing, John Wish, um, who'll be working with Ben with Boxer to put cards together in the UK. I imagine really well matched cards. So the whole. You know, the kind of antidote, the, 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 the Coke and the Pepsi I was talking about that I mentioned to Eddie, there will be rivals. There will be, um, you know, a, a strong rival, a strong opponent to Hernan to zone. But the thing is, what I've got to say is this is the digital revolution happening right now and it will change the face of how we watch things.
2: It certainly will. All right, let's now hear from uh, Connor Ben, who you spoke to a bit earlier as well, he'll headline uh, the first fight camp uh, with DAZN. He'll take on uh, Adrian Granados. Look, he's been spending time in America supporting his stable mate Martin Ward, but also found time as well to, to spar some top-level opponents.
5: Spar Gamboa, um especially supposed to spar you guys. Met Tefumia Lopez. Um, oh, the Lopez moment. Yeah, yeah I like met, that. Caleb um, met Caleb Plant. So, you Future know. opponent? Who? Lopez. Too small for you? Did you size him up? No, he's probably beating on me as it happens. Don't know how he makes the weight, honestly. He's mad. Is that a guy you'd like to fight down the line, though? Listen, each step at a time. If he comes to my division, I might have to retire. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but life is good. I mean, you're here with your wife and your baby today. Yeah, it's wonderful. Blessed.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. What a beautiful day to just come with my family to press conference. It's, it's all rewarding. And, you know, when I look at them there and they ain't got stress in the world, it's a nice feeling Means I'm doing my job right. And what do you know about this guy you'll be facing? Uh, he's tough, he's durable, he's he's fought the best of our generation, just fell short. I think he won when he fought Broner. Mm. Only person to stop him was Danny Garcia. So, it's supposed to be a tough night's work. So was Samuel Vargas. Exactly my point.
3: <laughs> so We spoke to you on the radio that night afterwards and you were buzzing...
5: Yeah, I mean, listen, every fight now at this level is going to be a tough fight. Uh, so, let it be a tough night's work. If, if be, if not, then lovely. i yeah. go home, get my curry a lot quicker.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, Eddie said, all you need to do now is put the meat on the bones. We know that people love you, people are fascinated by you. You've got all the makings. It's just a matter of time, time and staying in the office and staying sacrificed, that's fine, dedicated. But that's
5: that's what I do anyway. constantly working constantly dedicated to the craft and uh, that's what you got to do at this level
2: i love Conor ben i, I really do i love Conor. Ben. obviously like, i love these dad nigel everyone loved these dad nigel but i love Conor ben does a lot outside of boxing as well youtube channels really starting to grow really knows how to promote himself gareth i love the question you asked him about teofimo lopez uh, mm. tell me what was the look in his eye because he went silent for about four <laughs> seconds when you said possible future opponent what, what was the look well, obviously, I think he would, look um,
3: at the moment. Lopez is the undisputed lightweight champion at 135 pounds, and Connor's at 147, isn't he? Mm. So. Um, he was. I think. I think it actually jogged his memory. Cause, yeah. Like, because I know what Connor's like. I know Connor well. We're very good friends. I try to mentor him in different aspects of life as a friend, as well as a, as as being a journalist that covers his life and his career. I knew his dad really well. Covered his dad's career, of course. So, um, you can't but feel for the son of. I don't know. It's just one of those things as you get to be an older person and you've been around the sport a long time. So you, you you watch the journey of people, and I saw his. I I could tell by the expression on his face that he was thinking about looking back at being next to um, yep. Teofimo Lopez, and there were photos of them looking very similar physically, and that's what drew that thing out of him. like. He was actually the same size as me. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, no. Listen, he'll fight anyone, Conor Ben. Believe me, he will fight a heavyweight if he had to. Um, he's a very impressive young man. It was lovely to see him here today with Victoria uh, and the baby. And the baby's four months old now. And um, Victoria's in great shape, his, his wife. They're waiting to move into their new home just down the road here. Believe it or not, um, it's, there's having work, work on They have work done on it. Um, but you know, it's a. I've posted a couple of pictures of um, mascals on my my Instagram just now, um, just showing what an amazing setting it is. And they're gonna have 400, I was here for the fight camps last year, mm. um, at a time where we weren't, you know, we were all locked down, weren't we? And I was here when, when Pavetkin kind of bizarrely knocked out Dillian White suddenly, and the whole place went quiet, apart from four people, all Russian, in the corner of Pavetkin went mad, and the echoes went all over the hillside here, and down towards London. They're gonna have 400 fans here this time, and food stalls, and they kind of, gave, kind of gave us a show of what the food stalls would be saying. We've sampled the food, and, and, and it's gonna be amazing. And you know, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible setting. It looks like uh, a set from I don't know, like a Bond movie when it's all lit up and the fireworks going off. Um, Eddie reeled off the cards there. It's, it's three really, you know, 24 fights over three weeks. As I said, 66p a card on zone. I'm not trying to sell it to people, but yeah. it's a great value. It really is great value. And, I, you know, the other day I, I was working late in London. In fact, I was doing the Fight Night show. I was presenting it with Spencer Oliver, and we finished at 1 in the morning, and I went and sat with a friend in... Uh, in Soho, and we had a couple of coffees, Then we went for a meal, I went to a late place to eat, and you know, we watched the Josh Taylor, um, um, the Josh Taylor, Jose Jose Carlos Ramirez uh, fight, and I watched it on my phone, they had it on their phone, it was on Fight TV, not on DAZN, but we're gonna do that more and more, you're not gonna have to red button, or. I know you can do it on Sky and stuff, but we're all gonna be able to be more mobile to Live our lives and watch fights more, or watch our sport more. And I think it's fascinating, really, um, especially as, especially in a, in a sport where, a half of the things I watch are in the middle of the night. No. Um, so I think it's fascinating.
2: No, it's, it's going to be fantastic. I, I wait to see how this is going to play out with Matram and Dazone. Uh, obviously, the fight camp as well. It's going to be fantastic. Ben versus Granados, the first one, July 31st. So it all 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 leads to what will be a good summer of boxing. Right, up next, we're going to be focusing on UFC 263.
5: I didn't throw no pressure to be honest with you. It was a known fight, and I approached it like a know a fight. And I didn't build it up in my head to be something that's that. It was a fight, you know. And I Like I said, native hey, veteran, this game I respect here tonight and
2: I look forward to the World Championship. Yeah, and let's hope he gets that world title shot. I'm not 100% sure he will get it, but let, let's hope he does. This is Final Extra here on TalkSport 2 and myself, Adil Depot, Gareth A. Davis in the Matchroom HQ in Brentwood. Uh, Gareth, let, let's talk about UFC 263. Let, let's do it the right way. Let's talk about the main event first, the title fight, Israel. Adesonia versus uh, Marvin Vittori. Uh, Rematch really of that fight, they had, what, 2018, which was a split decision win for Israel. Um, although, you ask Marvin, he will say he won that fight. Uh, this one, comfortable. Um, Vittori had his spots, but Israel just saying that he's another level now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, that Marvin cannot dispute that that was a clear victory for <laughs> Israel Adesanya I mean I don't I don't get where he's coming from on that Addy. I mean um, you know he totally outclassed Marvin Vittori um, he was ahead in you know for me it was easily a 50-45 shutout All right, yeah. he, he didn't you know again he didn't beat the hell out of him but you know Vittori's a very proud man you know um, um, I don't know uh, they they respect each other at the end of the day I think like you say you put your finger on the nail basically straight away what Israel Adesanya did and I loved his walkout gear by oh, the way oh I love um, it oh, it's so clever you know um, I, I, I love the masks I love the hats I love the play I love the theatre that man must have such a low resting heart rate when he fights <laughs> he's so calm um, you know and you know Those guys have gone 40 minutes with each other all together now, look. And, um, you know, I I loved it when, you know, he spanked his Vittori's behind in the fourth round. He's, I don't know, he's just, he's so clever. He's a brilliant, brilliant advert for mixed martial arts. Vittori, down the line, may become a champion when, when Adesanya's gone, but unless you catch him, and you hurt him. I cannot, Early on, I cannot see how Adesanya gets beaten. He's got such an amazing engine. Mm. Um, you know, um, it, it's, it's it's difficult to know what what more superlatives to say about him. To be honest,
2: now he's almost doing what uh, Kamara Usman's doing right now, where he's almost going round the track again and fighting opponents that he's fought before, and in the hope that someone's going to bring something new to the table. There is talk about Robert Whittaker next, and Izzy did say after. If that fight happens, it happens in my backyard now in Auckland, New Zealand. Do you think that's the fight they're going to go to next?
3: Um, it makes sense. Um, they haven't been there for a while, have they? Um, it's it's a place that, that does very well. It's a local market. UFC is moving again. Crowds are coming back. If there are loud crowds there, I suspect they'll do it. I'm not sure of the current state of lockdown, aren't they? heavily locked down at the moment yeah. in New Zealand. Whether they'll be able to get people in, I don't know. Maybe they could get the two guys back there on their athlete exemptions, keep them there for a while, and then fill it with local fighters. That would be amazing as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's a fight that that um, makes sense. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this, you and I, before. It's like, who who is there out there for Izzy? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the... The kind of athlete rankings at the moment. Um, I, I actually also think it's time that Israel Adesanya went further up from number four in the pound uh, for pound rankings. Mm. I mean, like you say, Whitaker's ranked number one, Paolo Costa's two, and he virtually submitted, didn't he, um, to him. Marvin Vittori was three, Jared Cananier, Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, number seven, Darren Till you know an, another a, a nice little victory for darren till and you know it could see happen. him getting there yeah. rematch with kelvin gastelum um that was a brilliant fight they had um kelvin hasn't been going brilliantly of late so it's hard to see where where the major major challenges uh, are going to come from in, in in all honesty so i think robert whitaker is the obvious choice
2: and i guess this is the the issue well i say issue but this is the difference between mma and boxing where you know, us saying he could go up to two or five is 20 pounds. We're in boxing, go up a couple of weight classes, five, seven pounds. You know what I mean? So I, I would like to see him go up to two or five again properly. And I mean properly in terms of coming to the, to the octagon a bit heavier. But look, we'll see what he does. I want to quickly touch on Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz, just because I did say at the top there that that should be enough for Leon to get the title shot. But a lot of people think it's going to be Kobe next uh, as opposed to Leon. Did he do enough against Nate there? I think he did. But I think you said at the top as well, Gareth, that... Although he dominated Nate, Nate never really looked in deep trouble, did he? I mean, Nate always cuts. So, so, Nate being cut doesn't shock me. Did he do enough, do you think, to get the title shot against Kamara?
3: Well, he called for it straight away afterwards, which is the right thing to do. And, um, look, he's ranked three, isn't he? Gilbert Burns is, is ahead of him, as is Colby Covington in the current rankings. Um, he's an option there. I don't see... Who else comes, um, but like you say, apart from Colby Covington yeah. mm. um, it's a fight I'd like to see as well. Colby Covington brings eyes um, but ah, did he do enough? He looked sleek and technical mm. um, if he hadn't had that worrisome last minute, I think we'd be gunning for it uh, right now, yeah, um, but I don't know I, I'm I'd like to see, I, I mean, to be honest, the finish worried me a little bit for him against um, against Kamaru Usman, yep. but you know, they fought before and he was out-muscled and out-wrestled by, by Kamaru. Um, Leon, Leon will always fight like that. I, I know his brother Fabian well, and I watch a lot of his fights in Bellator as well, and you know, he. They've got a very relaxed style. They're very, they're very Jamaican in their way. Um, you know, obviously they grew up and were raised in Jamaica till they were little, you know, little boys, until they were eight, nine, ten. And they have that, that very loose-limbed athletic... It's like you watch them and you think, that guy could play tennis, could be a, di- a decathlete, would be a great rugby player. He'd be brilliant at football, he's basketball. You just see Leon, he's just loose, isn't he, you know? Um, And he's got speed and he's got timing and all those things. Um, And I think, maybe just throw him in there, but I do think, I think Covington, because Camaro, and Leon are both very quiet people. They're not sellers. Yeah. They yeah. may well stick Colby in their next because it'll it'll get eyeballs on the sport. Look what look what happened. Nate Diaz. doesn't matter that if he'd got knocked out, he would have been carried out by the fans if they'd allowed him. It, 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 he's a he transcends um, the sport now. He, he's he's a cult figure. Um, you know, I've always, I've known them a long time. Sorry.
2: No, no. Sorry. You know what I was going to say. What I was going to say is what we need to see right now is a cross-promotion to find out who really is the best welterweight on the planet when it comes to MMA. Because, obviously, it was Bellator 260 on the weekend as well. Yep. And uh, Yaroslav Amosov beating Douglas Lima. I mean, who is the best welterweight on the planet? We need to find out.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what. The, the funny thing about... Uh, it would be an amazing matchup between, um, um, <clears throat> as you say, Yaroslav Amosov and Kamaru Usman because... Um, you know he completely outworked douglas Lima in that fight it was an amazing contest it's live by the way bellator uh, even though um the ufc events are on are on i must say on bt sport late into the nights, uh, saturday night sunday morning the, the the bellator events that are friday nights that are live and free on the bbc iplayer as well we are very blessed at the moment being able to watch all these uh, high level mma fights um amosov Going into this fight, um, Dan Lambert, um, the head of um, uh, ATT, American Top Team, in in Coconut Creek, Florida, where Amosov trains. Obviously, he's a multiple Sambo world champion. He's from Ukraine, uh, originally. He trains there at um, ATT gym, and I'm, I'm talking about ATT gym, where there are 400 professional MMA fighters, OK, it's not it's not the kind of um, gym where local people go in and train. It has got American Top Team is probably the leading um, a kind of place in the world. You've got people like Henan Barrow, Junior Dos Santos, Tyron Woodley, Amanda Nunes, um, Tiago Alves, Nina Ansaroff, Mike Brown, who's a coach there. Um, I can go so many names, Brad Pickett train there, Dustin Poirier, um, You've got um, just J- Jussier Formiga, Jeff mm. Monson, so Jorge Vidal, Douglas Lima trains there sometimes. Mohamed Lawal, um, this, the, Ila Latifi is a brilliant wrestler. They rank Yaroslav Amosov mm. in that gym, all right, yeah. as the leading wrestler who's there, the leading wrestler. So you can just tell how brilliant this guy is, and. I'd love to see that matchup, but what won't happen is you will not see the Bellator welterweight champion against the UFC welterweight champion. It's anathema in MMA. It's a real shame.
2: Yeah, it's a massive shame, a massive shame indeed. All right, up next we're going to hear from, I think, the best play-by-play commentator in the business, John Annick. We are just talking about welterweights there. I asked John Anik the question about a welterweight that's going to take on uh, Jake Paul, that welterweight being Tyron Woodley. Wait till you hear his answer.
1: At each other. Well, Any chance ready? they right. get. The fight clock is brought to you by Modello. Oh! Oh. And oh! Wow!
2: One of the greatest knockouts you'll ever see! Oh my goodness! Astro's stiff as a ball! Oh my Game goodness! Oh.
1: Not a lot of people burning up Maynard's phone to try to get a matchup with a gun!
2: A few days ago, I was very fortunate to sit down with the UFC's lead commentator, one of the best in the business, John Anik, And it replaced Mike Goldberg in the booth back in 2017. has gone on to form a famous relationship with co-commentators Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier. I spoke with John about the art of commentating on major UFC events, remaining impartial and the rise of cross-promotion fights in the wake of obviously Mayweather versus Logan Paul. But there was only one place for me to start. I had to ask him about his most memorable fight as a commentator.
1: Brisbane, Australia, December of 2013, a heavyweight main event between Mark Hunt and Bigfoot Silva. (laughs) And it's a weird circumstance in Australia because the fights are in the morning. And I remember just calling this fight and you know something epic is happening. Just praying that everybody back in the States and certainly in the UK and everywhere else is actually watching this little UFC fight night because that was arguably the greatest five round heavyweight fight in UFC history. So that one comes to mind. But I got to bring up Thug Rose Namajunas because I think the most shocked that I have ever been in that broadcast was <laughs> when she knocked out Ioana Janjacek the first yeah. time. You know, I didn't call Michael Bisping's knockout of Luke Rockhold. So for me, the knockout of, of Io- Ioana Janjacek by Rose Namajunas, that's the moment in the booth that I will probably uh, look back most fondly upon. And, of course, Rose gave us another one a few weeks ago, and that would certainly be in my top five as well. So – so with a nod to uh, the heavyweights, Bigfoot and uh, and Mark Khan, I got to say Thug Rose, Nama Unis takes the kick.
2: I'm so happy you mentioned the booth now because, I mean, those those f- cameras in the booth when we see the knockout reaction, especially when it's yeah. you, DC and Joe. And what I like about it, I mean, Joe just makes, he just screams. So does DC. You scream, but you're still trying to do your play-by-play commentary. I don't know how you're doing it. Those things have just got a mind of their own now. I, I love them. Is it... Was it your idea? Was it a UFC idea to kind of show the cameras in the booth? Certainly was
1: not my idea. And obviously, as you probably know, we went about a year and a half without having that dynamic mm. because we were at different tables. So they had the camera isolated on DC and, and would show you his singular reactions. I do think it's a very powerful visual, and, uh, but certainly not me, right? Like I'm a radio guy. I prefer to be off camera at all times. <laughs> you know, they'll ask me, hey, we're going on ABC. Do you want a single to open the show? And I'm like, no, three shots good with my boys. But (laughs) no, for me, I got so much going on that candidly, that is the last thing that I'm thinking about. And for me, it's like I have to punctuate these historical moments. When Mm. I wasn't calling title fights, you know, people would be like, hey, man, you need a catchphrase. And I still don't have a catchphrase. I prefer to give each individual moment its own context. But you Know if I'm only going, oh, I'm not giving yeah. something that's like you know, Poland, your guy got it done, so yeah. I have to stay focused on on putting a capstone on the fight. Um, but yeah, man, fans have really appreciated and enjoyed those uh cameras, so uh, maybe I should shave the mustache. I don't
2: know, maybe maybe do a little shaving anyway. I want to quickly talk about UFC 196, uh, one of the big upsets, right? Connor McGregor, Nate Diaz, obviously, it resulted in you getting that 209. Uh, tattoo looking back i mean i always find it even difficult for myself when i i I kind of interview boxers a lot and i talk to a lot of sports stars and you know you try and sit on the fence and obviously in that instance i know nate wasn't happy that you picked connor and do you look back and think okay maybe i shouldn't have done that do you kind of say okay look but i'm a fan i you know i want to choose i you know how kind of do you look back and assess that moment
1: so that was the last time that i have publicly given a fight prediction Mm. and probably the hottest that the water has ever been for me as a UFC employee coming up on a decade. They were not too happy with what what happened on the Anakin Florian podcast that day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a radio guy at my core. This was not the first tattoo bet that I had done on the podcast. You know, I thought it would be a fun bit. Mm. But obviously, once it registered on Nathan's radar during fight week, um, you know, I needed to do a little bit of troubleshooting to make sure that he understood that it came from a good place because Mm. anyone who had followed me historically knew that Nick Diaz had long been my favorite fighter. and. And this was a tattoo that I wanted at the end of the day. Certainly I thought he was up against it, right? Back then I wasn't calling pay-per-views, right? I wasn't working the desk for that show. I was making predictions on my podcast, which to your point, I really enjoyed and and wish I had the chance to do, but I understand it's a a massive conflict of interest because even if I'm not calling the fight, Addy, I might call their next fight. And they could be bitter about that. So I'm very mindful of that situation now, um, But it's not going to be the last tattoo bet that I do. Uh, Certainly, we'll we'll get a little bit more creative. But Nate and I have certainly buried the hatchet. And I think he understands now acutely that it came from a place of respect. Um, But I don't always have the time to tell the full story. And so some things do get lost in translation. I will tell you, the five days that elapsed between that fight and me actually getting the tattoo – were some crazy days for me professionally. Right. Because I had the whole world coming at me like, dude, where's the effing ink. And it's like, bro, I woke up Sunday morning, booked a tattoo appointment for Thursday. Like you just got to exercise a little bit of patience. (laughs) Nothing made me happier than getting it done. And, uh, when I said in an interview recently, I'm actually closer to getting it freshened up and darkened than getting it removed. So I'm very thankful that this was
2: my first tattoo. I, I assure you, it will not be the last. Yeah, I think Nate Diaz was happy you got it done as well. I remember him tweeting straight after. We won't say what he said because there isn't enough bleeps in what we do, yeah. but I remember Nate not being too happy and said, he needs to get that tattoo done. And you did, and I I credit you for getting it done as well. I want to move slightly away um, from the UFC because there's, there's a lot of action that kind of makes, it kind of overlaps, I think, the UFC um, we saw Logan Paul fight Floyd Mayweather. His brother Jake Paul's making a lot of noise, right? Dana White seems to be at least um, annoyed with the things that he says. Um, Jake Paul's going to fight Tyron Woodley, uh, former UFC champion. Yes, he's on a skid right now. We know that Owen 4 But in terms of a danger fight for Jake Paul, this is it, right? This is serious danger because I think anyone that's watched Tyron Woodley over the years knows that those hands are still there. I mean, he does have power in his hands. So this, is, this isn't this is a Ben Askren. This certainly isn't a Nate Robinson. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you set it up well, but I would add to it that he's not fighting a professional boxer, right? Tyron Woodley is not a professional boxer. We had Dean Thomas, Tyron's yeah. longtime chief corner on our podcast yesterday, and he said he thinks this is going to be great because all Tyron has ever wanted to do in fight camp is actually box and put on the 10-ounce gloves. So... If you subscribe to that line of thinking, I mean, I know Tyron's going to put in the rounds and he's going to put in the right work, but he is not a professional boxer and say what you want about Jake Paul and Logan Paul, but these are conditioned athletes who have legitimate professional boxing aspirations. I love the fact that Logan Paul, excuse me, Jake Paul, Of course, we're going to get these names confused at some point, but that Jake (laughs) Paul is actually taking on somebody who has legitimate boxing chops. But the reason why T. Wood is minus 150 as a betting favorite, I know you guys do the odds differently over there and not minus 300 as a three to one favorite is because Tyron Woodley is 0-0 and as a professional boxer. And I think there are a lot of layers to this fight. There are a lot of questions in terms of the respective cardiovascular systems. Um, If you're asking me for a prediction right now, and I know you're not, I do lean towards Tyron Woodley. But Mm. I would say those who are sort of dismissing or disgracing Jake Paul's chances,
2: I don't think they've been paying attention to what he's been doing, privately and publicly. John Anik honestly my man thank you so much really appreciate that really appreciate your insight as well and keep keep the moustache keep it keep
1: it my man thank you thanks for the time happy to come back on with you guys
2: anytime I enjoyed it that's it for this week thank you once again for downloading the podcast we'll be live again next Monday on TalkSport 2 and if you miss us make sure to subscribe to Fight Night Podcast to catch up with all our other episodes
1: Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone.